the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and this hour we have a very exciting guest, uh, Bill Bartman, who's uh, one of America's leading billionaires, and he has what he calls the personal success kit to help you become, if not a billionaire, at least a millionaire or a successful person. Uh, welcome to the show, Bill. Well, Jordan, thank you very much. My pleasure to be here. Let's just start a little bit with your uh, background. I know you have a long and interesting story of your life, <laughs> but uh, let's kind of boil it down a little bit and uh, just kind of get a sense for the audience of kind of what your path has been. Um, I don't think you exactly were born with a silver spoon in your mouth to become a billionaire, is that right? No, no it wasn't even one of those plastic uh, spoons you get at McDonald's. It was, it was less than that, and I'll give you the Reader's Digest for right. I'm, I'm one of eight children. My, my dad is a janitor, and my, my mother cleaned other people's houses for a living, and, and they worked every day of their life, but we just didn't make enough money to, to feed all ten of us, so we got by on handouts from Catholic Charities and Salvation Army and Welfare and, and, and literally moved in and out of eight different rent houses by time I was 14 years old, and I left home when I was 14. I uh, went and lived on the street and lived under a bridge by a duck. I've eaten out of a dumpster, uh, and I'm, so I've kind of you know seen the the bad side of life. And at 14, then I I joined a traveling carnival and did that for a couple of years. And then after uh, having all the fun you can have at a traveling carnival, I joined a street gang, did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then after that, I finally got serious about life and decided I'd go back to. Uh, get my GED, because I had spent five and a half years in high school without graduating, uh, got my GED, got into college on probation, stayed on probation for four years, graduated on probation, got into law school, flunked out, got back in, graduated, and uh, then I started going get serious about making money. Okay, so uh, what was your first business when you got out of law school then? Well, my, my first job, my first real job, uh, my first educated job was as a practicing law. I did that for five years, and uh, it was very successful. I was very lucky, very fortunate. I was in the right place at the right time, and, and because I had grown up on the street, I had a pretty good sense of people. Did you learn that early? Uh, you have to learn it, or you get uh, end up in very, very bad places very, very quickly. And that's a skill that you really need in front of a jury. You need to be able to understand what they're thinking before they tell you what they're thinking. And so, quite frankly, I, I did pretty well. I made a lot of money. Okay. And then, so after that, uh, you, you started not wanting to be a lawyer forever, and you got into various kinds of businesses. What was the first business you got into after law? I, the first thing I did while practicing law is I was investing some of the money we were making in the real estate profession. I say we, as my wife and I, uh, in real estate. And it was back in the early 70s, and you know, back then it wasn't hard to make money in real estate, and we did. We we did very very well. Uh, from there, we moved into the oil and gas business, and we actually did oil and gas exploration. Did that for a while. Uh, I've had heavy manufacturing. I've had finance companies. I've had personal debt collection companies. Uh, I've done seven different businesses and well I've had seven different businesses in seven different industries so it's pretty eclectic and I, I've been all over the board Jordan now your biggest uh, company was a three and a half billion in sales and you had four thousand employees is that right they have actually 3,900 uh, employees I wouldn't want you to exaggerate having, oh, okay. but, you know, hold me to task on that it wasn't quite four thousand but it got dangerously close and it was it was a debt collection company that, that Kathy and I started in 1986 
uh, when we were broke, we had gone broke in the oil and gas business. We had been drilling oil wells in Oklahoma, and if you remember your history, that's when the price of oil went from $40 a barrel down to $14 a barrel. Right. And uh, we, along with a whole bunch of other people, kind of were on the wrong end of the equation. And so we were broke. I was a million dollars in the hall in bankruptcy. had sheriff's liens against me. The IRS had towed away my automobiles. I mean, it was about as ugly as ugly gets. And we uh, we borrowed 13000 bucks and started a business and industry that we didn't know anything about except how not to do it. And we learned how not to do it by having all these bill collectors calling us because we were broke. And, and they were yelling and screaming and threatening us all the time. And we'd look at each other after we'd hang, hang up on them and say, why can't they treat people with dignity and respect? Mm-hmm. And, and with that little gem or germ of an idea, we started a debt collection company that treated people decently. And because of that, it was successful, whereas others were not. Well, you know, I'd like to think that was the whole reason. And honestly, in my heart of hearts, I believe that was the whole reason. Yeah, we grew the company up, and we then were able to invest money in infrastructure and some technology, and we also did some things that other companies had never heard of or thought of doing. But the entire premise was we were going to treat every single person with whom we are doing business with dignity and respect. And so what really happens, Jordan, in, in the debt collection business, the people who owe you money, they have some, they just don't have enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like musical chairs. They don't have enough to pay everybody they owe, but they have enough money to pay some of the people they owe. Well, all I wanted would be was the winner of the beauty contest. I just wanted to be the guy that got paid every month. Mm-hmm. And so by being nicer than all of these other jerks, it was easy. You know, in the land of the blind, one-eyed man is king. In the debt collection industry, you have to be very nice to be nicer than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so then did you end up selling that business, or what happened to the debt collection? No, in 1998, my business partner, my 20-year best friend, a fellow whom I you know, had a good and strong and great relationship with, uh, although he had left the company two years earlier under a buy-sell agreement, uh, actually was involved in doing some insider trading with our company, and unbeknownst to us and everybody else in the company. And when that became known, uh, literally it imploded the company. The company uh, went out of business, went into bankruptcy, 3,900 people lost their job, and I lost a $3.5 billion fortune. Wow, so it was a public company at that point? No, it was a privately held company, uh, but we were doing business on Wall Street. We had floated $1.6 billion worth of bonds. Hmm. Was that all defaulted then? They, indeed, yes. Everything had to, you know, when bankruptcy happens, that's the way it goes. Uh-huh. So now we're in the late 90s, early 2000, and, and what did you do to pick up the pieces yet again? Well, you know, that that was the, the me now saying, okay, where am I at in life? And, and where, uh, where I was standing at the time, I thought it was like the world's worst place to be. I'd just gone broke. i just lost my reputation. I, I lost my money. I lost my, my car. I lost my motorcycle. I'm in personal bankruptcy along with, uh, you know, everybody else in my company, it seems like. And you think, well, man, it can't get any worse than that. You go from rags to riches, you're a three and a half billion dollar net worth, you're the twenty fifth richest person in America, and then all of a sudden you get down to being broke. You know, boy, that really stinks. Mm-hmm. Well, it got worse. Then there was, it was two years after my company had crashed that Enron, Tyco, Quest, WorldCom, and Adelphia happened. Mm-hmm. And the government couldn't not indict me. Bad grammar, though that sentence may be, you get the mm-hmm. point. They couldn't not indict me, so they did indict me, and they indicted me on 57 felony counts. Mm. 
And that's more than Ken Lay, Bernie Evers, Martha Stewart, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jackson, and Robert Blake combined. This is for insider trading related things? It was because my partner had done insider trading and they were making the allegation that I knew he was doing it. Uh huh. And so all of the crimes that he committed were now being imputed to me. I see. Okay, and give, give us a brief version of what happened to all 57 of those guys. <laughs> Not one by one, but just to get the oh, overall. No, no, we don't have time for that. It took me three and a half years to make that all go away. Uh, the government offered me a, a misdemeanor on the day of trial. I told them, no, thank you, and took my chances of 600 years in prison if I had just made the very wrong bet. So it was like all-in poker of the highest order. Yeah. And uh, we went to trial, and at the end of the 89-day trial, the jury unanimously acquitted me of all 57 counts. Wow. <laughs> I am today the only CEO that was indicted by the White Collar Task Force. Uh, there's over 500 CEOs, including Conrad Black, who got convicted today, by the way. Right. Uh, every single one has been convicted but me. Well, that's quite an honor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a dubious distinction, but, but you know, in my world, I, I collect first, and, and so that's just another thing hanging on the wall. <laughs> okay. Okay, so now you've been uh, relieved of all of that uh, burden, and what, what's the next step after that? Well, the next step is, is taking inventory and saying, because that's what I tell all of my students, you know, when I, when I teach them, I, I say, you know, when they say, well, what business should I be in? What business should I do? And, you know, how am I going to go make a living? How am I going to go make money? I, I've always taught them, well, take inventory. You know, what are you good at? What are you strong at? What, what do you know something about? What's your passion? What do you enjoy doing? And so I practice what I preach. I took inventory, and I found out that, I'm pretty good at starting and growing companies, and I'm pretty good at getting over adversity, and I'm pretty good at setting and achieving goals, but I'm also 58 years old, and I'm a little tired of doing all this on my own, so instead I just now teach people how they can do it. So rather than going out and creating a brand new company and hiring another 4,000 employees and trying to win a whole bunch of national awards, uh, which I think I have enough of now, uh, I am now teaching people how they can become successful in their lives. This is Jordan Goodman with the Money Answer Show, and my guest uh, this hour is Bill Bartman, who you can hear has had a very interesting and uh, wildly up-and-down uh, career, and now he's in the business of teaching uh, other people about how to become successful in their own businesses. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the teaching you do and some of the materials you have on your website, and uh, can it give me a general sense of the kind of uh, uh, programs you're offering these days. Sure. Uh, because I spent 40 years in business and, and I've been named the National Entrepreneur of the Year twice and I've been inducted into the Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, I've been listed by the Kauffman Foundation as one of the top 100 entrepreneurs in America for the last 100 years uh, because I created Inc. 500 companies, companies that were privately held, but, but among the 500 fastest-growing companies in America. And one of them had that distinction four years in a row. And because I've won... I don't want to say every award because that would be silly and then stupid and make me sound like an idiot, but I've won a lot of them. And if you go to my website, BillBartman.com or www.BillBartman.com, you will see all of them. I have won hundreds of awards that are national or, or, or you know, very significant in their stature, and that doesn't make me any better than anybody else, but it means I have some experience. And so if I have this business experience, I'm now teaching other people how they can do what it is I've done, and that is start and grow businesses, whether they, you know, have ever done it before or not. There's some basic things you need to learn in order to start a business, and and I, I teach people how to do that, Jordan. And, and quite frankly, it's the most fun I've ever had in my whole life. 
we're going to get into details of that after this uh, coming break. But just tell them you, uh, what books you have and CDs, DVDs, and, and the various things that come along with your package. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I have one particular package called a Personal Success Kit, and within it are three CDs and three DVDs that people will, will sometimes will wonder, say, well, why are you including them in a business package? And they have to do with setting goals. They have to do with overcoming adversity. And they have to do with growing or increasing your self-esteem. And the reason they're in there is because you cannot be successful in business unless you can do all three of those things. And then I also have my hardbound book called Billionaire Secrets to Success. And I have other uh, audio recordings and, and teleseminar recordings and a self-esteem workbook. And the self-esteem workbook is probably the most valuable piece of information I've ever put together in my entire life. It literally will transform people. By going through that workbook, you actually begin to value yourself higher than you have ever realized you, you have ever done in the past. And that's what business people need in order to become truly, truly successful. They need to have this solid, solid foundation underneath them that they can then take some business things and put on top of. So this is my primer, if you will. I teach people how first to build their foundation, their personal foundation, and I teach them how to build their business. Is this a common problem, you think, as people starting their businesses uh, don't really know where they have self-esteem or what their strengths are, and so they go off in directions that aren't really going to ever work? Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it's a, the most underrated, most over-occurring problem, and, and, and the proof of it is all of the people you and I know that went to great business schools and great colleges and great universities, and they learn from the best and the brightest, and they walked out of there with a head full of knowledge, and they failed mm-hmm. because they didn't have the base foundation. So it wasn't that they weren't smart. God, they were. They're probably smarter than at least me. Not you. You're a very smart guy, but they were, they were much smarter than I am. And 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 they learned it from the masters. They learned it at Harvard and Wharton. And I've taught at Harvard and I've taught at Wharton, so I know what they teach there. And it's great, great stuff. But unless you have a good foundation, all that knowledge is like building a giant, you know, superstructure on top of a sand base. It doesn't matter how pretty it is or how tall it is; it's going to tip over. Very good. Okay, uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my uh, guest this hour is Bill Bartman, uh, who's one of the most successful billionaires out there, teaching you how to become a billionaire. And we'll get into the details of it uh, when we come back after this break. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, the Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. 
Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Bill Bartman, uh, who's, I guess you'd call a self-made billionaire. Is that what you'd call yourself, Bill? Well, I, I, that's what the Wall Street Journal calls me and Fortune <laughs> Magazine, so I'm not going to quibble with them. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll let them call me whatever they want. And so he's had uh, seven different businesses and many spectacular successes and many spectacular failures, and now he's here to teach uh, how you can become successful in business. Uh, and in his book, which is called A Billionaire Secrets to Success, and all of his material, by the way, is at uh, BillBartman.com, and Bartman is spelled with two N's, by the way, um, he has what he calls the nine rules to achieve any goal. And why don't we just start right in with those, uh, Bill, the first one, uh, first rule is to make sure it is your goal that you want to achieve. Absolutely, Jordan, and, and it's so you know so fundamental and so basic, but it's the one that most people get wrong, and which is why I, I literally rank it as number one, because we spend all of our life chasing something, only to find out when we end up catching it as something we really didn't want at all. And the classic example of this would be: we know people who are doctors because their daddy wanted them to be a doctor. Are there lawyers because their daddy was a lawyer or or kids who take ballet, not because they want to take ballet, but because their mom or dad want them to take ballet. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm not suggesting that, that kids shouldn't do what their mom or dad tell them. I'm not suggesting that at all. But as an adult, as a grown up, we need to make sure that whatever it is we're chasing, whatever it is we're after, whatever this thing we're calling our goal, it, make sure it's really ours and make sure it's not somebody else's. Make sure we're not doing something just to make somebody happy, just to please somebody. And how do you know that? I mean, if, if you've just based on some experiences you've had, that there was something you really want to do as opposed to your parents or other people? Well, you know, I think everybody already knows. I mean, if you're doing a job you don't like, but you did it because, you know, you got pushed into it or you're doing it because, you you know, your uncle was that. I mean, look at all the people who join a particular branch of the military because their, you know, lineage had joined the same branch of the military. Mm-hmm. Does that really mean they like it? No, it means that they were kind of told they had to go do that. So if you're unhappy doing what it is you're doing, you're probably not doing what you want to do. You're doing what somebody else has told you you're supposed to do, and maybe it was that guidance counselor in high school. You know, maybe you know, God knows now. Look back in hindsight, what did he really know? Right. 
you know, I mean, honestly, he's a nice man. He meant well, and he was probably, you know, a real friendly sort of fellow. And he wanted to give you the best advice he had. The bad news is the best advice he had wasn't very good advice. Yeah. Because it's a little bit too late. You've, you've wasted half your life figuring that out, yes. Absolutely. So, so I tell people very openly and honestly, you can tell this in 15 seconds. Ask yourself, are you happy doing what you're doing? Yeah. If you're not happy doing what you're doing, what would make you happy? They say, well, I can't do that because, you know, I'll make somebody unhappy. They say, well, you know, those are the choices you get to make in life. And I'm not here to preach anarchy or, or to, you know, argue for divorce. Quite the opposite. I've been married 33 years. I, I think it's a great institution. But I think you have to be true to yourself. So step number one is you have to make sure if the goal you're after is the one you really want. And if you're doing it for somebody else, you're making a mistake. Do what you want to do, become successful, become happy, and, and then you'll be able to take care of them much better than you ever would have by following some silly goal they wanted you to follow. And rule number two you have is uh, you actually shouldn't label it a goal in the first place. <laughs> Instead, you should call it a promise, right? Exactly. And, and you know, you're saying, wait a minute, well, you just called it a goal yourself. Well, I do because I have to set you up for it. Because that's the terminology and the semantics we use in our society is, you know, we have these goals. But, you know, we also process all of the information inside our brain and our, our brain, our subconscious, however you want to use that terminology, you know, looks at our own history when it decides what it's going to let us do next. And when we look at our own history on goal setting and goal achieving, if you're an average American, and this is a, this is a study done by Harvard Business School, 70% of the people who set a goal will achieve it, 30% don't. And that's an average that runs right across the board, and it's just for everybody in America. In other words, 30% of the time, we will miss. We may only miss by a little bit, but we're going to miss. Or we may miss by a lot. Maybe it'll be like our our New Year's resolution. You know, I'm surprised it's as many as seventy percent actually who make it. Well, I, I was when I heard the number, but but I guess they they you know use <laughs> the floating scale or something. I don't know. Yeah. But but the point is, that if your brain already knows that you're going to miss the target thirty percent of the time. It's not helping you 100%. It's only helping you 70%. It's already got some doubt, reservation, or equivocation in there. But what if you called it something other than a goal? What if you called it promise? What if you just said, well, I promise I'm going to go do this? Now your brain would go to its data bank, its memory, and say, what's your history on a promise? Well, in America, Harvard did a study on that, too. It's 99%. 99% of the time when people make a promise, they keep it. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, so just by changing the simple semantics, calling it one thing versus calling it something else, your brain re reacts to it differently. Now, you still have to go do the work, effort, and energy, but now you've got your brain helping you rather than sabotaging you. Very good. All right, so now we have uh, know that the goal is yourself, your own. Uh, we're now calling it a promise instead of a goal. Your third rule is to clearly identify what your promise is. Is that... A problem for a lot of people that don't really identify what the promise is. Oh, yeah, it, it is. So, and, and so, classic, and Jordan, you probably have heard it a hundred times, because in your business you'll ask somebody, you know, what they want, and they'll say, oh, I want to be rich, or I want to be famous. Yeah. Well, rich doesn't mean anything. Famous doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's an ambiguous, amorphous term that has no context to it. So when you say your goal is to become rich, well, that didn't mean anything to you either. You, you don't have a target. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so I tell people you have to clearly identify your promise. What I'm really saying to them is they have to narrowly identify their promise. They have to say 
explicitly. So when I was broke in 1986, after going broke in the oil and gas business, and said, I want to be filthy stinking rich. Well, that's cute, and, and it's a little better than just saying rich, but not much. It still yeah. didn't say very much. It's not very so clear or specific at all. Yeah, so that I had to make it more clear. So I went and identified who was number 400 on the Forbes 400 list. Because that was now very clear. I knew exactly. If I could get on the Forbes 400 list, I'd be rich. Mm-hmm. And so I found out this guy had $482 million worth of net worth. I was a million dollars in a hole. Mm-hmm. And I said, good, I'm only $483 million away. <laughs> but now I knew exactly what I had to do in order to get to exactly where I wanted to be. There was no general guessing about it. It was all very, very narrow, very, very specific. Now, the bad news is, is I told myself I was going to do that in five years, and I failed. It took five and a half. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you did make it onto the Forbes 400 list then? Yes, I did. Forbes 400 three years in a row. Uh-huh. And yeah. actually rose to number 25 uh, before the crash happened. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's number three. Your fourth rule is to identify your personal motivator. What do you mean by that? We we will do something for someone else much faster and much easier than we will ever do it for ourselves. You know, it's easy for us to quit if we're the only skin in the game, but if we're doing it for someone else, you know, then we have another incentive. We have one more reason, and motivators can be either positive or negative. You know, a positive motivator would be someone you love. You say, well, I'm going to do it for my wife or my kids. I'm going to you know, become successful so that they can have a better life. Well, something that's positive and that's wonderful. Negative motivators work every bit as well. A negative motivator would be not you're going to do it for someone, you're going to do it to show someone. Mm-hmm. This is the person that told you you were stupid. This is the person who said you couldn't. This is the person who said you were nimcompoop or whatever they called you. And you'd love to show them. I mean, the, the greatest revenge of all is success mm-hmm. because it irritates the heck out of them because there's nothing they can do about it. So, so negative motivators to me are more powerful than even positive motivators. So it's good to have a little bit of it, some positive, some yes, negative. Yes, yes. And I tell people try to find a balance, but trust me, negatives will give you more of a reason to wake up in the morning than a positive one. <laughs> okay. So that's rule number four. Again, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my guest is uh, Bill Bartman, uh, who's uh, the kind of uh, teacher of two, two billionaires. He's been a billionaire himself, and he's now teaching other people with what he calls the personal success kit. Uh, his website is BillBartman.com. And we're now on to his uh, fifth rule of the road, uh, which is to create a promised plan. Uh, now tell us how, how you should be doing that briefly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, again, you know my background, Jordan, everything I've done for the last 40 years has been in the business world. And there, I've never met a successful business that didn't have a business plan. And a business plan basically just lays out the who, what, where, why, when, and how of the business. You know? It just kind of identifies all these issues and comes up with answers for each of them. And it's never perfect. It's never absolutely right. But at least it's a document that in the business you can look to for some guidance and some instruction, and you kind of know what to do you know, when you don't know what else to do. Well, all I've done is apply that very simple concept of a business plan into your personal life. Because if we'll spend hours and days and weeks and months writing a business plan for a business, why wouldn't we bother spending a little bit of time writing one for our life? And you ask the same question, you know, the who, the what, the where, the why, the when, and the how. The what, you know, what's your objective? When, by what date, where? I tell people to identify a location. Why? You know, why are you doing this thing? And you have to have your own answer. Who? 
who will benefit from this thing and how? How are you going to do it? What are the steps necessary? And when I get to this point in my conversations with people, this is when they freeze up and go, but I don't know how. I said, good, because you don't need to know how. You cannot know how today. How is unknowable. If you have a really good what and a really good why, the how will show up. If you know what you want to do, if you know why you want to do it, how will start, how will show up, how will come. And, and they go, well, you know, that, that sounds like superstition or voodoo or mysticism or some crazy, you know, foo-foo thing. Well, I'm not a crazy foo-foo guy. You know, I'm a real serious, pragmatic business guy with nine zeros. And I'm telling you, if you have a really good what and a really good why, the how will show up. Kind of like mother of invention, uh, you know, with necessity in a certain way. Well, in a, in a fashion it is, but more than that, if you start, your brain starts helping. It starts becoming aware of. You start paying attention to. It starts filtering out noise and chatter and starts showing you some things that were probably right there in front of you all the time, but they weren't relevant to you because you haven't started yet. But as soon as you start, that becomes terribly relevant to you. So you've had lots of students who, who did identify that but didn't know the how, and then, in fact, they did find out how to do it. Well, they? absolutely. And I have had now thousands of students, and, and some of, if you look on my website, you'll see there's some luminaries on there. I have taught these basic principles to everybody from Ken Blanchard to Hulk Hogan to Bill Cosby. I mean, you know, there, there's some people that are world-class athletes, world-class movie stars, world-class thinkers, and I've done it for Plain Jane, you know, man on the street, because it, the rules apply to everybody. Very good. Okay, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Bill Bartman, who teaches people how to become a billionaire, and we'll be back after this. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success over and over again, and wealth result when you Reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daily. Broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow. Learn the rules of the game. Then play better than anyone else. 
Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answers Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bill Bartman, uh, who is the uh, people, person who is teaching people how to become a billionaire. He's done it many times himself. And right now we're going through uh, the road, uh, the rules of the road and how to become uh, a billionaire in various ways. We're up to rule number six, Bill, uh, which is to, we've now made the promise plan, but now you need to review the promise plan regularly. Well, why do you need to do that? Jordan, it's so basic and so so common sense, and after I tell you, you'll get it because everybody does. As soon as you say it out loud, they go, oh, yeah, it makes sense, that your mind will only pay attention to, to the things you tell it to pay attention to. I mean, you know, the old adage that we've all heard about a sight out of mind, well, that, that is so true that if you quit thinking about something, you quit focusing on it. And once you quit focusing on it, your your ability to to pursue it becomes so limited. So I tell people they need to spend a minimum of 20 minutes every day focusing on their promise plan, focusing on what it is that they've written down in their plan. So when they've written down the what and the where and the why and the when and the who and the how and all that stuff, they need to spend 20 minutes every day just looking at that sheet of paper. And I say, well, what if I, I you know, don't have anything else to add to it? Well, I say, great, spend 20 minutes staring at it and something will come to you. And I, I swear you'll never spend 20 minutes staring at the piece of paper without something coming to your mind, something you know, some new information, a new bit of guidance, a new bit of help, another way of thinking about it, and then you add that to your paper, and pretty soon your business plan, now your promise plan, becomes bigger and broader and much more clear. So what, what do people find when they review their plan that they wouldn't have done if they had not reviewed it? Oh, they, 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 the things that come to mind are, are just, you know, it's, it's like waking up in the middle of the night with an idea. And we've all done that. We've, we've woken up in the middle of the night with a great idea, and then we usually forget it by the time we wake up again in the morning if we haven't written it down somewhere. That so what that is is there was a good idea inside your brain somewhere. It was floating around in there. It tried to get out, but it didn't have a place to get out to. But if you're actually spending 20 minutes a day studying on your, your promise plan, you have created a vehicle. You've created a way for this thing to come out and, and literally now become part of the plan. Very good. Okay, so that's rule number six. Is now you're reviewing your your promise plan uh, on a regular basis and kind of readjusting things as you're you're going along. Absolutely. Your seventh rule is to tell yourself uh, that you will succeed. It seems like an obvious thing that people would do that, but why why do people not do that? What's the value of that? Well, they the people don't do it because they they think you know self affirmations are foo foo or or some kind of 
you know, voodoo, throw salt over your shoulder, bury a dead chicken in the backyard kind of stuff. And, and it's not that at all. Our, our mind, our psyche, our subconscious, it, it listens to everything that comes to it. And the one thing that comes to it with the greatest credibility of all is our own voice. It believes us more than it believes anybody else. It really does. And so when we're giving ourselves positive affirmations, acknowledging that, that we really do think we can do something, it's hearing that noise. It's hearing that voice. It's registering that information and putting it in the file cabinet every bit as much as if somebody were telling you you couldn't do it, you would hear and listen to that too. So by telling yourself positively that you can do this thing, you're putting good information in your file cabinet. And, and a classic example would be Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan can shoot and has shot free throws blindfolded because he's done them in his mind so many times before he's ever stood in front of the, the, the free throw line. Tiger Woods in the book, uh, The Eye of the Tiger, you know, tells everybody that, that Tiger Woods will never hit a ball, never hit a golf ball on the driving range, in the fairway, in the rough, a sand trap, or on a green until he has mentally walked up to that ball and hit the ball and watched the club head hit the, the, make contact with the ball, watch the ball rise, watch the ball arc up, watch the ball descend, watch the ball hit the ground, watch the ball roll to a stop, Tiger Woods does that every single time before he hits the ball. Now, that's just telling himself mentally what's going to happen, and then mostly, not every time, but mostly that's exactly what then occurs. This kind of visualizing your success uh, beforehand, and that helps make it actually happen. Absolutely. And, and, again, you can put whatever terminology you want on it. It's just, uh, it's just the way it works. I've got a, a great story on, on self-affirmations. In 1997, uh, Kathy and I were interested in buying the Chicago Bulls basketball team. And so we were in, we were, we entered into negotiation with Jerry Krause and Jerry Reinsdorf back in, this is back in the Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson era. Mm-hmm. And, and because when you buy a team, you're really buying the players. You're not, I mean, granted, you get the hot dog franchise, but you're really buying the players. We went to Chicago and spent a lot of time talking to the players. And one of their players then of great repute was Dennis Rodman. And most people familiar with the sport of basketball know Dennis. He, he was the bad boy of basketball. Mm-hmm. He had multicolored hair and body piercings all over the place and tattoos of you know, almost every description and got married in a white chiffon dress one day. I mean, you know, Dennis was a proverbial bad boy. He liked irritating Bill Jackson. That was kind of his thing. And one of the things that Dennis would do that really irritates Bill is before every game there's this thing called the shoot-around where all the players come out off the bench and go shoot the ball and warm up and do their little exercises and kind of get ready for the game. Dennis would never participate. Dennis would always sit there on one of the folding chairs courtside and he would stretch his legs way out in front of him with his shoes off and he'd have a towel over his head, but underneath the towel he'd have a Sony Walkman. Plug mm-hmm. his ears and his mm-hmm. arms crossed across his chest. Now, if you ever watched the Chicago Bulls game, you've seen that picture a thousand times. That's yes. Dennis Rodman. And invariably, somebody from the media would come up to Dennis and say, Dennis, what are you listening to? And Dennis would say, Pearl Jam, because that was a big band back in those days. And one day, I'm sitting next to Dennis, and I ask the same stupid question. And Dennis looks at me, and he goes, Bill, I tell everybody it's Pearl Jam, but it's not. And I go, huh, <laughs> who is it? And he doesn't tell me. He instead takes his Walkman off of his ears, reaches over, and sets it on top of my head. And I'm listening to Dennis Rodman talk to Dennis Rodman 
about how Dennis Rodman played the team he's facing, going to face tonight, the last time he played that team. Mm-hmm. And Dennis had one tape for every team in the league. Mm-hmm. Now that's self-affirmations. Well, it certainly worked for him. <laughs> yes. Well, it did. It did. He was he was the greatest rebounder in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So number rule number seven is to uh, do self-affirmations. Uh, Bill Bartman's rule number eight is to tell others uh, about your promise. Why, why is that important? Well, it is because it's so important to to get some skin in the game. You know, the old adage of it's okay to fail if nobody knows. And once you start telling people what it is you're going to go do, then you have some more incentive to accomplish it. And we've all experienced that where we start off with a great idea of something we want to go do, but we're not really sure we're going to be able to do it. So we don't tell anybody right away. We go try. And if it looks like we're going to make it, then we tell them. Mm-hmm. But if we don't think we're going to make it, then we don't tell anybody. Well, I tell people, tell them first. That way it gives you one more incentive because when you tell somebody else you're going to do something, three things can occur, and only these three things, nothing else. But the first thing that, that can occur is these people you tell might actually want to be able and be willing to help you. And, and if you, they, you haven't told them, they'll never know what it is you're trying to do. They won't be able to give you any assistance. But by telling them, if they're the kind of people that would help you, now there's a chance they might. That's one of the things that can happen. Number two, when you tell people your your plan and your goal and what it is you want to accomplish, you begin to articulate it better every time you say it. Because the more often you say it, the more intelligent you sound as you say it, and the more conviction you have and the more emphasis you put on it. And again, you're sending a signal back to your brain. And that's even more important when you're trying to borrow money for a business. You walk into a bank and you can't express yourself clearly and you can't describe what it is you really want to do cleanly, you're losing. You've already lost. But if you can say it sharply and crisply and cleanly and clearly, then, then quite frankly, you still have to go prove to the banker you can do it, but at least now he's paying attention. The third thing that can happen when you tell somebody is they will laugh at you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great mm-hmm. because they now become a positive, or excuse me, in this case, a negative motivator. Mm-hmm. Now they become one more person. You get to go say, okay, now I've got a real reason to go do it. I'm mm-hmm. going to go do it to show them. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things that can happen when you tell somebody, and all three of them are good things, so you can't lose. So you're saying a lot of people are afraid to do that because it makes them accountable and they'd rather not put themselves on the line that way. They they don't want to be accountable because they've already admitted they may not succeed. Well, how can you succeed if you've already admitted you may not be able to? Yes. I mean, you just expressed the strongest lack of self-confidence I've ever heard. But conversely, once you walk up to somebody and say, hey, Jordan, my new goal is I'm going to go do this, wow, now now I put some skin in the game because Jordan might remember and come call me up three months from now and say, Bill, how are you coming on that thing? Did you ever get there? Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, I, I now have one more reason to go do it. Indeed. <laughs> and Bill Bartman's number nine uh, rule is to envision the result. How is that different from what we talked about before? Where you're kind of visualizing uh, you know, what it's, you want. It's, it's more than that. It, 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 it's so much more than that. And, and it's because in the earlier part, we're really talking about the self affirmations. We're talking about talking to yourself, and and here you're absolutely getting a mental picture of it. And and the way I describe this to people is, I ask my audiences when I do this in front of seminar groups, and I, I do anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand people uh, now, almost a week. 
Uh, I'm doing uh, 12,000 people next week in St. Louis uh, as part of the Get Motivated Tour, and I'll do 20-plus thousand down in Dallas uh, 30 days from now. And, and I'll ask them the very simple question, how many of you know how to worry? And they will all raise their hand. And I'll say, oh, you know, some of us are expert warriors. We're really good at it. We could do it in our sleep. We're so good at it. Mm-hmm. We can wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, in a sheer panic. And what has just happened? Well, we're worrying. Well, what's worry? Worry is imagining an outcome that has not yet occurred that has a negative ending. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. We're imagining a negative conclusion. And while we're worrying, we see it in living color. We hear a stereophonic sound. We know who's in the room. We know what they're saying. We know what they're wearing. We, we know what the, what the room smells like. We have all these senses, and it's imaginary, and it's a negative conclusion. Well, I said, well, if we can do that for a worry, what's the opposite? Because we know in the universe there is this law of polarity, this law of reciprocity, that, that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction, and so for everything there is the alternative thing. What's the alternative to worry? Why can't we use this alternative word, whatever that is, and I don't know what word you might use, but reverse worry. (laughs) Let's use reverse worry and say, instead of using all of the skill and knowledge to, to imagine and fantasize a negative conclusion, let's imagine a positive conclusion. Just that itself can make a big difference, you're saying. Yes. Okay, this has been very fascinating so far. This is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is uh, Bill Bartman, uh, who teaches people how to become billionaires and be successful in their business. Uh, And we'll be back with the final segment after this. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on The Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be success over and over again, and wealth result when you Reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daily, broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow, learn the rules of the game, then play better than anyone else. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellent 
in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bill Bartman uh, of BillBartman.com, who's had a really incredible career of seven successful businesses and all kinds of exciting failures and coming off the street to become a... uh, Part of the Forbes 400, he's really been all over the place. Welcome back to the show, Bill. Well, thank you, Jordan, and, and I appreciate being here with your audience. Uh, let's talk about your uh, self-esteem uh, workbook. Now, it's a long workbook that has all kinds of different questions and exercises in it, but uh, you, you say this really is the one of the most important things in becoming a successful business uh, person is having self-esteem, and t- talk about that a little bit and, and what this workbook can do to help people. Well, absolutely, and, and I believe this in every drop of my body, every corpuscle of my body, that that unless you have self-esteem, good, solid, strong self-esteem, a good self-conviction, a good belief that you're okay, and and I'm not telling you that you have to act like you're Superman or stand on a street corner and beat your breast and tell the world how great you are, but to feel good about who you are, where you are, the way you are right now, that's self-esteem. And unless you have that, you really can't succeed in business. You can't succeed in life. You you really end up just being some mostly sad, woe-be-gone, almost pathetic kind of person until you can find a way to build and develop self-esteem. And I know that because I know from my own history, because I, I grew up in a, in a world where I was the poster child for low self-esteem. I, I, I grew up on welfare and poverty. I, I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the small, smallest kid in the neighborhood. I got beat up every single day of my life. You know, so I saw self-esteem as a, you know, a kid growing up in that kind of an environment. I saw it as a high school dropout. I saw it as a teenage alcoholic. I saw it as a member of a street gang. I saw it a hundred different ways. And, and I, by being able to learn how to change and grow my self-esteem, I was able to go from you know, that life of welfare and poverty to becoming the 25th wealthiest guy in America. I was able to go from a homeless kid to my wife and I now living in a 12,000-square-foot home. And I was able to go from a high school dropout to becoming a lawyer and having Harvard Business School do a case study on my management techniques. And and I was able to go from a a runaway who joined a traveling carnival to being named the National Entrepreneur of the Year. And and I was able to go from a drunk to to somebody who was awarded a permanent place in the Smithsonian Institute's Museum of American History. Now, Jordan, I'm telling you, that transformation didn't happen because somebody came along and hit me on the head with a magic stick or they didn't sprinkle pixie dust on top of my head and they didn't give me some magic silver bullet. And and I didn't get any smarter. I didn't get any better looking. I didn't get any taller. I didn't change anything except for one thing. And that one thing is I changed my opinion of me. And I learned how to view me positively. And I don't mean fabrication or, you know, making it up or trying to kid yourself, but literally just looking at all of the things I've ever done wrong in my life, but being just as honest and looking at everything I've done right in my life. 
And by comparing those two and balancing them and finding out that, yeah, I really have made a lot of mistakes and I really did do a lot of stupid things and I really did do a lot of things I wished I hadn't done, but I had also done a lot of good things and I had done some things that I was pretty proud of. And when I started comparing them honestly, we never are honest with ourselves. We we aren't. We we we're so modest. We can't be honest. But my workbook shows people how to value honesty more than modesty. So instead of just being modest and saying, oh, that doesn't count or that's not important or, gee, that's no big deal, I show you it is a big deal. And I show you how to measure it and how to write it down and how to record it and how to look at it and how to see it and how to believe it. And, and then what happens inside your head is you begin to see yourself for who you really are. I mean, I am exactly the same person I was when I was a 17-year-old high school dropout, drug addict, alcoholic, gang member, and now I just happen to be standing in a much different position, and the only thing that changed is the way I view myself. So you've and, seen this happen with your students, is that they go through the self-esteem workbook, understand their own self-esteem, and then can accomplish things that they never thought were possible. Absolutely, and, and, and it's kind of like having the Rosetta Stone. The Rosetta Stone, you know, for all those people who know, is, is this, this block of stone that had the alphabet on it that helped us decipher the hieroglyphics. And, and, and for the hundreds of years before the Rosetta Stone was found, People just thought that was scribbling on the wall. They didn't know what it meant. And all of a sudden they go, oh, oh, it's kind of like breaking the code. Well, I have figured out how to break the code. You say, oh, Barbara, come on, you're a business guy. No, I have a degree in psychology, too. And I also have a degree in law. And I've got 40 years of doing this. And I've got nine zeros behind my name. You know, so I really do understand it. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I'm just trying to say, I figured it out. And it wasn't that hard. It was really simple. You just have to be honest with yourself. And I show people in this 40-page workbook, so it's not a big, complex book, 40 pages of answering some questions about yourself. And when you get done, you will know the new you so much better than the old you, and you're going to like it so much better. It changes people's lives, Jordan. Great. Uh, one of the things you talk about is how to overcome failure, and you've mentioned a lot of the uh, failures you have, the, the uh, 57 counts against you and the bankruptcy. Yeah, absolutely. And so on. But we, we have about three minutes to go here. Just maybe briefly go into some of the uh, failures and, and how people can uh, overcome them psychologically. Well, yeah, I, I am the poster child for failure, and I say that honestly and, and you know, not, not bragging because I don't think anybody really wants to be known as Mr. Failure. You know, I, I tell people there's a Dr. Phil, and I guess I would qualify as Dr. Failure because... And I'm proud of where I've been. I'm proud of everything I've ever done. And, and I have learned so much from my mistakes and so much from my failures that those failures have turned into good things. And as a result, I've learned all kinds of ways to overcome failure, how you can deal with all of those things that go bump in the night. And I don't care if it's a divorce or bankruptcy or a death in a family or a loss of a loved one. Those are traumas, and they're hard traumas. But I can show people how to deal with them and how to overcome them and how to step by them and, and move on with their life. And I, and I do it from a place of passion and empathy and understanding because I've been there with them. I, you know, I don't preach anything I don't know about. But and a lot of people get destroyed by failure. They really can't bounce back from it. They, they do. And the difference between a successful person and an unsuccessful person is that the successful person learned how to deal with his failure, meaning both of them failed. I have never met a successful person in my life that hasn't failed. But a successful person deals with it and, and knows how to deal with it and overcomes it. An unsuccessful person gets bogged down in it. 
They, they, they become that wino, that skid row alcoholic. They become that person that I used to sleep with underneath the bridge viaduct. You know, they, they, that's, those are the kind of people that John 316 mission is full of. They, they, they failed and they think it's all about them. And I teach people failure isn't about you at all. Failure is no more you than your high school picture is you. It was you at a moment in time. It's not really you. It's just you at that snapshot. And you're not the same person you were the day you graduated from high school. I don't care if you do have a picture of you. You're not the same person today. You're not the same person you were when you failed either. You've changed. Right. Well, this has been fascinating. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, and this has been uh, an interview with Bill Bartman. Uh, you can go to his website at BillBartman, B-A-R-T-M-A-N-N.com, and find out about uh, Bill's uh, personal success kit. We've just had a chance to touch on it very briefly here, but it's really been fascinating, and I hope we inspire a lot of people to be just as successful as you've been, Bill. Well, so I appreciate your, your being with the show very much. Thank you, and my pleasure, and God bless you and all of your guests. Thank, Thank you very much. much. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.